Hi, this is Alan Clark of the Hollies, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. Pantheon Podcast presents from Hollywood, California, The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaiman. You are invited to join the Hollywood princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaiman as she brings you the devil's music. Hi, I'm Pleasant Gaiman, and welcome to The Devil's Music, a Pantheon podcast. As the devil himself apparently once said via the Rolling Stones, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a rock and roll witch from Hollywood, California. My obsession with music and the occult started at the age of 12 and is still going strong. During the 70s, I was one of the first punks in Los Angeles. I worked at the Whiskey A Go-Go and had a Xerox fanzine called Lobotomy, which led me to writing a rock and roll gossip column in the LA Weekly, which in turn led me to writing for every major rock publication you could think of. In the 80s through the 90s, I fronted three bands. I'm a best-selling author with eight books out and more on the way. For the past 30 years, I've been a professional dancer who's toured around the globe teaching and performing, and you've probably seen me dancing in a number of music videos, feature films, and documentaries. I'm also an actor with several film credits. Find out more about me at PleasantGaiman.com. I'm really excited to be a part of the Pantheon podcast network of rock and roll shows. Everyone at Pantheon tells spectacular stories about the music we love so much, each one with a different twist. Find them all at PantheonPodcast.com, as well as on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio.com, Pandora, hell, I just had to say that, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what we're doing here, Head on over to PantheonPodcast.com and share a show with a friend, or I'll put a spell on you. Kidding! Pleasant game and welcome to the Devil's Music Podcast. Today's guest is so illustrious and so fantastic and such an old friend of mine that this episode is probably going to make almost any other one I've recorded pale in comparison. Um, today I'm going to be talking to Kid Congo Powers, who, as you guys know, was in the Cramps, the Gun Club, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and currently has his own band for ages, and they have a new record out called um, Kid Congo and the Pink Monkey Birds. So you'll hear all about the record in this and all about horrifying stuff that we have done together that we probably would both still be incarcerated for if there was social media. Please welcome Kid Congo. Hey, Flez, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? <laughs> I'm not in jail. <laughs> Me neither. For past, for past indiscretions. Um, no, it's great to talk to you, Flez. I mean, when we, you, you know, before your intro, we were already laughing, but I was just thinking to myself, we have just been laughing since the moment we met. We haven't stopped. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's, just, it's been like, it's seriously been like Salvador and Gala Dali with me and you. 
hundred percent. It's been like a forty-five year exercise in surrealism, and I'm I'm happy for that. Oh, but, so um, great! I mean, we pick up right where we left off always. No, I know. I love that. The last time I saw you in LA, when um, you guys were playing at the Echo, um. Some people lately, this is going to sound so modern, I'm saying that in huge air quotes, some people were saying um, that they were just like on the other side of the dressing room, like watching us talk and they're like, you guys have the best chemistry together. Do you think we should get married? Oh, no, wait, you're already married. Yes. Um, but if, if you ever move to Utah or if, if either one of us ever consider a, a compound oh, yeah. in Utah, I'll be your first, your first wife. That it, would be very big of me. <laughs> to do uh, uh, yes and yeah it's so yeah it's great it was great to see you god i can't even believe i mean yeah i'm gonna get i don't mean to do shameless self-promotion but i just finished writing a memoir and you feature so much in it that you know and and i've always realized and cherished our friendship and know how much but when i was writing about it and mo more when I was reading back about it I'm like oh my god <laughs> we were so connected and so dedicated to 24 7 hilarity and insanity <laughs> you know <laughs> and love know. of music and love of just you know chaotic you know a a a, a taste for the grotesque and also um <laughs> And they and and and, and just the askew looking at life—it's uh, just so great. You know, we could we we could always just like look at each other from across the room when something was happening that didn't even involve us and start laughing. But um, for those of you guys that are listening to this, um, Kid and I have been—we've been roommates at like a ton of different places in LA and in New York. Like, yes. <laughs> so we lived at. Um, well, wait, before we start going into horror stories, which there's going to okay. be so many, first um, tell everyone about your your new record, and I still call it records. But <laughs> Yes, it's a record. I call it a record, too. It's not a vinyl. It's a record. Um, it's a, it's a going to be, it's an EP, uh, which means it's a small LP or a big 12-inch single. And it is called uh, Swing from the Chandelier. And it's actually a tribute to the person Chandelier, the L.A. Luminary. Oh, my God. Yes, our dear friend. And, and, it, um, and the lead song is called Chandelier, but it's spelled Chandelier. And it's actually uh, when he is a friend of ours, a non-binary rock and roll mainstay also hilarious um in the la music scene um who was just ubiquitous everywhere you went there was chandelier and um and you know in in amazing outfits and and so funny and great and so dedicated to loving music at, at, you know at the the highest level and the arts. Um, so anyway, well, he passed away uh, of cancer uh, a couple of years, no, 2018. And, uh, and I immediately just thought, oh, I have to write something. And, um, and I just was like, I have to somehow capture the essence of Chandelier, you know, like before it goes away, you know, cause I, so right away, I just wrote down all these different images and, you know, and I was thinking of like, where is he now? I said, oh, he's swinging from the chandelier, of course. <laughs> that's where he is, <laughs> you know, above the fray, beyond the pale, you know, that's where he is. And so I wrote the song in kind of in tribute to him. And so we ended up called, making that the lead song of the record. And, 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 uh, and that will be a video, and, you know, and, and so, yeah, so it's a tribute, you know, uh, to, to, my L, to my LA and to Chandelier and my people our tribe, you know, um, which we uh, cherish so much. It's, it's a great tribe. Chandelier was so amazing. You guys out there in podcast land, if you want to listen to some of Shandi's music, he had a, um, a band called Glue that mm -hmm. was um, super huge popular in LA in like the late 90s and the early 2000s. But he's also 
He really is an international figure. He was living in Vienna. He was always in New York. He was, Shandy was total jet set fabulosity. Um, yeah, I'm like back. I'm like yeah. Greyhound bus fabulosity, like me and yeah. kid were for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, let, let's take a little break to hear some music, and then we will come right back and start telling horror stories. Life is short, filled with stuff. Don't know what for. I ain't had enough. Okay, here we are back. All right, what? How do we even start with? Do Do you remember the first time that we met each other? Well, I, I'm I remember seeing it. you all the time before we met, but I don't. I don't know if I remember the exact moment. I well, I, I can. I do, and and uh, I think it was when uh, the screamers. Uh, this the screamers. You're gonna have to do the narration of what we're talking about. But the band, the screamers, an LA phenomenon in the in the 1978, 77, 78, 70. I don't know. Maybe 76 even. Yeah. Uh, the dates are, you know, blurry to me. Um, but um, I think they used to have these great parties, and they were. And Tomata was from the plenty. The singer was from New York, and he you know, was at the beginning of the, he was in a, you know, like theater, he did theater of a ridicu ridiculous and was doing stuff with uh, Fayette Hauser from Coquettes and, and um, Gorilla Rose. And they lived in New York and they were actually doing their plays, skits at um, CBGB. And they were there, like they, they were there when the Ramones came in to do their audition for- Yeah, at CBGB. Blondie too, huh? And Blondie as well. So yeah, so Chris Stein and, and Deborah Harry knew them from way back, the earliest of CBGB. And so they were having a party for Blondie and at their no, house. We, did, did we just only meet each other? Did we only just meet each other then? Because I thought we knew each other before that party. I don't know. But the way I remember it. Um, okay, that, no, that, okay, that's good. But that uh, party was fucking insane. Everyone was, was so crazy. high at that party. I mean, this party, you guys, I can't even tell you how legendary. The, actually, KK, the old drummer of the Screamers, sent me a couple of pictures of it. He, he has a bunch of pictures with spaghetti all over the floor from when Black Randy, <laughs> of Black Randy and the Metro Squad, like he just took this like huge like cafeteria-sized pot of spaghetti and dumped it over his own head. And then he was like, he was running down the steps of the Wilton Hilton, which was the screamer's house. It was this old craftsman house that was haunted. And um, anyway, so, okay, so what else? I remember Debbie was, Debbie was so fucking high on pot in the backyard, smoking, <laughs> smoking pot with like Joey Ramone and like Helen Killer and all these people. And she kind of like, I, I was on acid, I think, but she stumbled backwards a few steps and I said, what are you doing? And she tried to cover up for it by going, oh, I was just smelling that tree. <laughs> and, and even though I was tripping, I was like, wow, she's higher than I am. <laughs> it was hilarious. But, but, I, but I remember that, that, that I knew we had seen each other around and been around everywhere. And I remember I was uh, I was a bit of a sullen young youngster, uh, very lonery. But I um, and I was really actually Randy K. You were already doing lobotomy by then, and yeah. Randy K. You know said I remember you from going to Rodney Bingenheimer's from Rodney's, and and then I was like oh, and then he was always with you, and I thought. Gosh, she is great. And I overheard you. You were talking about 
Eve Babbitt's reading Eve Babbitt's. And oh yeah! Thought, wow, can I? I knew about Eve Babbitt's, and I was like, wow, she is great. And and you know, how could I be a part of what she's about? And um, and then you just came up to me and said, oh, you're that Ramones fan club guy, aren't you? And I said. <laughs> Yes. And then you said something like, well, you need to write for my fanzine lobotomy. And I was like, okay. And then it was on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I, re I remember um, my favorite story that you, that you wrote for lobotomy was um, that I think this was when we were already living together at 909 Palm, which was the first lobotomy ap apartment. And, but we'll talk about 909 and Disgraceland and the other places we lived at in a minute. But um, the village people played at the Greek theater. <laughs> this was like in like 1977 or eight. I think it was maybe 1978. But um, you, you wrote a review for, because we used to review like, um, in that we'd, we'd review like the new 999 or Sex Pistols or Damn Single, but then we'd also review like the um, free giveaway records from Jack in the Box or just any yeah. horrifying old like 45s we found. So the review you did, you said you had to go to the village people and you wrote <laughs> the village people go Greek because that's what it was called. <laughs> I had two shirts that said that. It was amazing. And I couldn't get one. I went by myself. I couldn't get one friend to go. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I'm going. I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, it's going to be great. And it was great. Yeah. And they had T-shirts that said, <laughs> people go Greek. There were all these mothers buying it for their children and stuff. Yeah, people had kids so there. So I know. It was so subversive. <laughs> that's so oh i know that's so fucking amazing um so um let's talk about 909 and then um the little trip that we took up to san francisco together do you remember that oh god yeah <laughs> okay so so first of all 909 was this um sort of 1950s apartment house that um we had an apartment in there and we were we were the noisiest people in the building, go figure. It was um, Kid and Dennis Crosby, who was, um, God rest his soul. He was Bing Crosby's grandson. And I met him in high school because he was, um, he was like roller skating through the halls and doing emo nitrate when I was cutting a <laughs> class. That was how we met. friends. <laughs> he was one of our roommates. And then so was Anne McLean, who was this, amazing beautiful girl that was like a Rodney's English disco regular and just like joined in the punk scene so we were all living at 909 and somehow I don't even remember how but this is I whenever I think of this I always think of 909 somebody had found this like suede patchwork um <laughs> like 1960s <laughs> Maxi <laughs> skirt that had like mushrooms on it and like snail. amongst the mushrooms. <laughs> and we we'd be in the middle of like fucking like listening to like the new clashes record and everyone was like drinking and there'd be like stiff baiters there and half the people from like the fucking whiskey. Dennis used to go on the PA at the whiskey and give everyone our, our address and just invite everybody. And then <laughs> Ed would always like he'd disappear for a minute, and you'd you'd come back in this like sleeveless, quilted, padded like um, <laughs> like Chinese vest, and the and the, and the the maxi skirt with a snail on it, and you'd put your hands together in a praying position and say, "Does anybody want some herbal tea?" <laughs> 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 oh my god what a characters but, but that <laughs> we were going to take the joke as far as we could take it <laughs> remember when i handcuffed that that um there was some bus boy that dennis invited to um to a party because he also used to invite random people and so this was a busboy from a restaurant in west hollywood and he could barely speak english but he was handsome so so when this guy like came to um into 909 there was like there was men running around in drag you were probably in the maxi skirt there was women in underwear and there was craziness so i think that the guy thought that he had walked into a brothel and he was starting to get sort of handsy with like you know 
Some mm-hmm. of the girls like mm-hmm. Carrie Crome and Lisa Seabon. Lisa so um, our dining room table was held together with my handcuffs and I took my handcuffs off and I was like dangling them and motioning him for him to go out on the balcony. <laughs> and I said, look, I can put them on myself. And I demonstrated, I said, can I put them on you? And he immediately held his, <laughs> his hands up. And then I handcuffed them to the balcony railing and I closed the sliding door. <laughs> but, <laughs> But we forgot about him until like 11 the next morning. <laughs> Dennis said, whatever happened to that guy? And I was like, oh, that guy. And he was like, he was like a prisoner. He had his arm up, handcuffed to the railing, and he was like in fetal position. Oh. I still feel so bad about that. <laughs> uh, he had a good time. And... um was that the guy who was named Elvis Hitler? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, was from a, that was from a bowling alley. Remember that was on his driver's license? Uh, yes, exactly. I know. It was amazing. <laughs> so what happened? We we made friends with someone else. <laughs> and okay. uh, and they, what did they say? Their name was Elvis or something? We said, no, come on. Yeah. And, and didn't his last he show name you? Was Hitler. Yeah, his, he showed us our, his driver's license, and the name was Elvis Hitler. <laughs> oh, wait, did, did we? Did we? But that was his real name, and he was. I'm saying this with huge air quotes. He was an old man, which may, might mean he was like barely thirty or something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did we meet him at the Olympic Auditorium or at a bowling alley? I think it was. I a think bowling. that came from the bowling alley. Not not the not from the roller derby. <laughs> but um let's talk about when um when we took the car up to San Francisco to go and um, see Levi and the Rockets. Do, well, do you remember that? Remember when I we do, stole I, the car? Oh, I remember it vividly. I remember I was working at Licorice Pizza in the Valley, <laughs> you know, because we we're living at 909 West Hollywood. Um you know, right off of on Palm, 909 Palm, right, right off of Santa Monica Boulevard. And sometimes I would take the bus sometimes to work, but often I would just, it would be easier to hitchhike over Laurel Canyon. So I would just do that a lot and wait for some cougars of the canyon to pick me up or some, you know, if a VW bus, you know, painted hippie van came by, you're like, all right, you know, this is a sure ride. And, um, because there were still hippies around in the 70s, driving around <laughs> over to the Laurel Canyon. But anyway, I came back and I was always the worst grump after coming back from school. Yeah. Just the worst, you know. But who isn't? Who does? Who wants to go to work and come back and hitchhike back over the, the canyon? But, um, and I came in and um, you and Anne and Dennis were sitting there and, and you said, Dennis has stolen a car and we're going to go to San Francisco. <laughs> and you can tell the backstory on that. But he, he, he said, you said that and I just looked uh, like straight at you and I said, are you out of your mind? And I stormed into my, I stormed into our room because we were sharing a room <laughs> and, and I slammed the door behind me. And then probably not even five minutes later, I showed up back out in the living room with the ba- overnight backpack saying like, when do we leave? Yeah. <laughs> we, I remember when you did that, we were, we were crawling around with all the cushions off the couch trying to find gas money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and calling everyone we knew. For, and for nobody no one wanted to go with us, shockingly. But anyway, so Dennis had this Cadillac that he had he didn't really steal it. He borrowed it from mm-hmm. um, a, a guy he was doing a trick with at the Tropicana, which was kind of like the Chelsea Hotel. Uh, it was the LA equivalent. Like everyone stayed there and lived there. You, like, you know, at any given moment, like the cramps would be there. Tom Waits lived in the back bungalows. Blondie would be there. I mean, the split ends, you name it. And um, <clears throat> so anyhow, what? The cramps were there. Yeah, they were, yeah, because this this figures prominently into the story. Anyhow, so Dennis had this Cadillac, and I wanted to go and see my boyfriend Levi Dexter, who later became my husband for a while, and that was why we we decided to just take the car up to San Francisco. But first, we had to go and um, 
Dennis had to shoplift a bunch of cold duck from, um, <laughs> from, from the supermarket. I remember we had my panties over the license plate because we'd seen that in some like delinquent hot rod movie <laughs> yeah. or something. So they couldn't need it. To, I mean, that's not a pull me over now. There's like a pair of lacy underpants. <laughs> And so I had to go in as the decoy and I bought like a, a, you know, a jar of mustard or something. And then as soon as we were like on the freeway, everyone started drinking in the car, which is like, I mean, now I am so horrified at that, but it was yeah. just a roaring party. Okay. Um, we should just take another little musical break here and then we will come back and continue this story. Cause it's sick. All right, here we go. Little break. Anyhow, here we are back. So um, I remember we decided we were all on speed too. So mm -hmm. I remember we decided to stop at the Madonna Inn for something. And I'd never seen it before with all the puppets and dolls swinging from the ceiling. And we had some uh -huh. coffee or something, not that we needed it there. And then it was my turn to drive. And I remember like flying on 101 and I looked at the speedometer and it was like a hundred, it was like a <laughs> hundred or something. And I, I, I made a comment on that. And then I was like, wow, this is like Grand Theft Auto. Like it had only just crossed my mind. I, I <laughs> the bird blood just drained out of all of us. You're like, yeah. oh shit. <laughs> we hadn't even considered that we were stealing a car. Yeah, yeah, I, until that, at that point. And then we got into San Francisco and because we bumped into um, this guy, Rico, who was the, um, the roadie for the nuns. Do you remember mm -hmm. that? Yeah, great, good guy, yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, had, he invited- he, was, he did hair too, he did everyone's hair. <laughs> yeah. He dyed everyone, he had, he had sometimes blue hair with big orange polka dots in it. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's how he got SSI, I think, because he went in with his hair like that, remember? Yeah. Like, and, uh -huh. and they just got, they immediately gave gave him supplementary social <laughs> they figured he was obviously insane if his hair looked like that. But so he he um we went to his apartment and you guys were smoking weed and I didn't smoke it because I didn't everyone decided I was sober to drive the car to the club, like when we were gonna go back, you know, into it. So I was driving the car and then I um the stolen Cadillac and then I rear-ended like I think it was a BMW. I, Mm -hmm. <laughs> I still, I'm, I'm blocking it out, but I actually rear-ended it in our car and these gang guys jumped out. Like these were like quote, quote, adult men, like yeah. big, like um, Hispanic Latinx gang guys. Mm -hmm. And then they immediately came up and they're like, well, where's your license and registration? And I just like was trying to be all casual and I opened up the glove box and there was like nothing in there. And then all of a sudden I thought Grand Theft Auto again. And um, <laughs> And they're like, what's your number? And I just gave them a fake number and it was the wrong amount of digits. And they're like, we're going to call the police. And then um, Dennis said, no, she's she she's from a different country. That's her correct phone number. But we still didn't have like, we just had the rental thing. And then um, Dennis said, well, I'm going to call the police too. And he was so drunk. He was trying to put all the cold duck bottles in his jacket, but they kept like falling off and rolling into the gutter. <laughs> he could hardly talk. So um, anyhow, I remember a really good, I remember a really good detail of this. You gave them the um, you gave them your driver's license number. You just said like they said, well, you said I don't have it with me, and then they said, well, what's the number? And you said, you know, seven nine DL seven six or whatever, and they said that's too many numbers. And you said because the guy was from Australia, 
the, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the car was rented to the guy. And, you, and, cause you, and you were saying, it's my dad's car. He's going to kill me and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, then, and you said, and then you said that. And they said, that's not, a, that's not the numbers of a, a license. You said, it is in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but, and really, I was crying because I thought, I'm 17 and I'm going to go to jail for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so so then we got out of that pickle because the police never came and and in hindsight, I think that those people stole the card that they were into. I honestly really yes. think that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> none much. of us should have been driving those kind of <laughs> yeah, cars. It was all so, too much. <laughs> um, but so we went to the Death Club, which was really it was called that. It was a punk rock club, but it was really a social club for deaf people, and so. But we didn't know that and we were trying to get drinks from the bartenders and no one was paying attention for, to us <laughs> until and then we saw them talking in sign language. Uh -huh. but so then, then we announced um, to the rest of the um, to the people when when Levi's band was on stage, we told the whole club we stole a car and if anyone wanted to come home with us and help drive that we would yeah. um, they could stay at our house. So do you remember the ride home? A, a little bit. I think I slept the whole way. But didn't uh, Javier come with us from the Zeros? Yeah, and then this girl, John, Johnny, Johnny, that beautiful Johnny. girl, Johnny. African-American, yeah. And then, she so those, we went, but we did, we all passed out because we'd been on speed the entire time. And the, the <laughs> second that, that someone that was supposed to be getting a ride with us started driving, we all just passed out. <laughs> <laughs> And then we got home and we were like, uh-oh, now we're in trouble. And um, we said, what do we do with this car? So we thought, oh, we'll go ditch it. And then we thought, oh, you know, what do we do? And then didn't, didn't um, we call Anna's brother, our friend Anna. Well, first we wiped it down with Windex and put it in the hills above the whiskey, yeah. Yes, got exactly, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and we thought, how we're gonna get caught so how do we avoid getting the electric chair? So um, so we we thought we'll have to well let's call a lawyer, you know. And our friend Anna S, who was also with lobotomy, she her brother was a lawyer, and uh, or even just getting his was in law school. Yeah, yeah. And he said, what what did he say? He said like, oh, you know, it's too. You're, you know, he's not going to press charges. You just, need, oh, he said, you just need to tell him the truth is what's going to happen. And so we we're like, yeah, oh, because no. Dennis oh, no, was no. 17. Yes, we we're all underage. So it's easy to do. But um, also, because um, we got home and there was a note on the door at 909 <laughs> saying from Jim or whatever his name, what was his Charles. name? Charles. His name was Charles. Charles, yes, Charles from Australia. He, he, um, yeah, he left a note saying, oh, I'm worried about you. And um, Brian from the Cramps gave us your address. <laughs> I told him we were, because I think we had been talking to Brian when we met him. At, yeah, at and then, then they, they thought that, um, like Dennis was tricking with him, but they thought it would just be better um, better monetary for situation for Dennis. Like that was that was why, but they, nobody from the cramps knew that we stole that car or anything. No, no, it was just like, <laughs> so Brian Gregory dobbed us out. And then, um, <laughs> and, 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 and then we told, we did, we threw ourselves at his mercy and he thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but he, he, remember I kept telling him, he kept going, is the, car, is the car okay, is the car okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, shut up. I was standing on the coffee table because we had taken a bunch of other speed. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, just let me finish. And so, but, so he heard the rest of the story and as long as he knew the car was okay, then he called up the liquor store and ordered more liquor for us <laughs> and asked if, if we could get any more drugs and then he um we took him to the airport like in another day or two and then he rented the car for us for another week but we kept it for a month do you remember <laughs> 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 and then a, a year later he came into la and um he called me up i mean of course on the landline and he's, he's like this is charles i'm from australia do you want to go out to lunch with me and i was like sure and when we started lunch he said 
I do believe you're you're the most intelligent and charming woman I've ever met. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Charles. Wherever the hell you are, yeah, <laughs> Charles. Thanks. You were a real. You were one of us. <laughs> <laughs> you are hilarious. I'm glad people could see the absurdity in our <laughs> insanity. <laughs> Let's talk, why don't tell everyone about when um, we were living on the Bowery together with um, Christian from the Mumps and Bradley from Teenage Jesus and the Jerks. Yeah, so um, we would make periodic, I had made periodic, both of us, uh, visits to New York because we, you know, with CBGBs and Maxes and the, the, the New York scene, we were not going to be left out of that. No way. So um, I um, didn't. You have rel you had relatives on the East Coast already. Yeah. And, and I was, uh, and I just yeah. You know, I went once. I took a gray. I think both times I took a greyhound there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The first time I went with um, a group with Helen Killer and Rod Donahue and Mary Rat. We all took a a bus there the first time and then I think the second time I just went by myself and um because you had already been there and, and and you weren't you uh luckily we had made friends with Christian Hoffman from the Mumps you know we and um and Bradley Field his uh partner boyfriend uh who was in Teenage Jesus and the Jerks who was quite the character and, uh, <laughs> Peter Laurie of, of the no wave and, exactly. and probably one of the more unsavory to many uh, uh, of, of uh, people but a hilarious and wonderful character and um, they invited us to come stay they were just like okay yeah come with us I don't know if they expected us ever to show up but we showed up and um and and they were glad to see us, and they were they are Christian is still a great friend, and um, and and we uh, so you were living there already for a while or staying yeah. there I don't know living staying what is what is it and um, and then I came as well and then we were and Christian lived at uh, Bowery and Grand in the, on the Bowery and this is mind you the seventies when the Bowery was the Bowery you know and and um, it was full of uh, what we called then bums <laughs> and uh, you know alcohol drunks and uh, and it was not and, and, you know it wasn't groovy at all you know taxis wouldn't even go down there yeah exactly you know it's on the, never, brink of, never, the brink of Chinatown yeah yeah it was right near Chinatown in Little Italy and there was a subway stop do you remember one time we were coming home from Coney Island and we were on acid and on the step of the subway there was like a dead bum with an ice pick through his eye congealed and it was uh -huh. it was like like morning rush hour by the time we were getting home and people were just walking oh, over yeah we were like oh man and there was all we had we had we had um we had our favorite bums who were bum. in the neighborhood there was miss bum who was a Oh, in a dress a a, a drag queen bum and <laughs> and uh and she would um, she would always uh, stay warm by going on the the manhole with the steam heat coming out of it and cover herself in newspapers and 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 just talk nonstop the whole time. And I remember one time uh, we were up in the loft, which was probably you know four or five stories up, and and you threw a bra out the window <laughs> and it flew right down on the manhole where Miss Bum was. <laughs> I miss Bum without even looking up or anything. Just picked it up, put it on. It was I just went on with whatever she was doing, babbling on and on and on. Like a gift from heaven, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then so Miss Bum was great. And then there was the feet. Oh my god, you could tell when the feet was like even like approaching our block because the feet was yeah kind of feet. or sometimes he'd be in the doorway <laughs> you would have to crawl over and the feet was this giant man and and he had oh horrible pussy feet and you know shoes with without fronts on them like you know with the fronts cut off and uh 
and you could just smell his feet from so far away. It was a little terrible. But somehow we loved the feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was ours, um, our friend. Wait, um, me and you used to, um, our, our daily or almost daily dinner routine would be walking up the Bowery panhandling so we could get enough to um, buy a cocktail at Max's Kansas City because you would get like the buffet there. Yeah, the 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 the, the uh, happy hour buffet. So you would go to Max's, go upstairs, and end up in the bar. They would have a, a buffet with great shrimp cocktail or whatever they have at buffets. But if you bought a drink, we we'd like get one drink, and then we'd all go eat <laughs> there, and um, and then and then the night would begin. You know, and before before you were in the cramps or the gun club. Um, we we made a recording. You made a recording. I think it was your boombox. That um, we, again, we were on acid. We were on acid. We <laughs> were a lot on acid. A lot for a few years. But me and me and kid were sitting right in the front, and we were so fucking high. And he was like recording the cramps whole set. But in between every song, what would we scream? We should do this one, two, three. Is this that I'm having? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. One, two, three. I'm having a crazy nightmare. <laughs> In between every song, and apparently a bootleg exists of that. I, I've never had a copy of it. Well, neither. Where is that tape now? God. Someone should send it to us. I know someone has it. P.O. Box 29504. Los Angeles, California, <laughs> zero, zero, two, nine. Please. We will, we will be indebted to you forever. <laughs> so what, um, what about like the, when you were still living at Disgraceland, when you joined the cramps, we should, we should take a music break and then we'll come back and talk okay, about it. Yeah. Here's the story of, of Kid joining the Cramps and the first gig. Now, uh, well, you know, I had started, the, actually the gun club had started um, out of the ashes of uh, a band called the Cyclones, which Pleasant was the, uh, the, the singer of, and, um, and it was- Yeah, a, Jeffrey made me do that. He forced yes, me. Yes, Jeffrey Lee Pierce, who, who, who got us all started on, on various things. He was a very Svengali-like person and a great mentor. Um, but he um, he made a band for Pleasant and it was gonna be a rockabilly band. And, and it was called, you called it the Cyclones. And I was the manager. I was artistic <laughs> director. <laughs> which, um, which, uh, which I remember I, I was like going to coach you on how to be the singer. And I said, well, if you get too nervous, just clench your fists and scream and fall on the floor. <laughs> and that was my direction to you. <laughs> and, wait, um, you, know, you know what I, wait, I just going to interject for one second. I just hmm. remembered right now um, how I got a, um, a, a publishing deal <laughs> from me and you writing a joke song. It was called Rockabilly Bondage. Oh, yes. <laughs> all tied up on Saturday night. <laughs> well, we need a record of that. 
yeah. we need we, to record it. <laughs> we, we, can, we can do a duet on that together. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so go ahead. Tell it's me. Published. It's tell a publisher. And so, um, so yeah, out of that, then um, Jeffrey said, uh, you know, decide, you know, you guys played what, one gig? One or two gigs? Yeah, just one. Just the one. For the yeah, if you weren't there, you missed it. And yeah. um, playing with the Go Go's, right? Yeah, the Go Go's and the last. Gazari, at Gazari's on the strip. Yeah. <laughs> wild, wild Gazari's. And, um, and, and so after that, uh, Jeffrey said, You should be in a band. Uh, you know, or we already had this idea, but I didn't know how to play. So I think, uh, you know, I was trying to learn to play when the cyclones were going. And then, uh, so the gun club, we became the gun club. And then, uh, you know, um, there wasn't really a lot of popularity or anything. It was just our friends would come see us. And actually all the other bands like X or the Blasters and people, they all saw that it was something good, but you know, so that we were a band's band. And- um, Yeah, it was great. And, um, and, and so, but then uh, Lux and Ivy came to see us actually at the, at the uh, urging of Bradley and Christian uh, came to see the gun club because they knew, because Brian Gregory was leaving and uh, and um, and they knew they were looking for uh, a new person. And also um, Lux and I, we had moved to Los Angeles. And, um, and so just one day they called me up and said, do you want to be, or they came and met me and said, do you want to be in our band? And I said, well, yes. And they said, well, what would you sacrifice to be in our band? And I said, like, what? Like, would I quit the gun club or quit? I was going to junior, I was going to LACC to quit school or, or relocate. Like, what do you mean? And Ivy said, no, like, would you cut off a finger? I said, I would actually. And she said, okay, you can be in our band. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> I was in. <laughs> Luckily, you, your hair, wasn't it the first show you played at the Roxy where your hair caught on fire? Yes. <laughs> burning bush. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Lux and like, I would, we had these, um, uh, so I played with the Cramps and they have a, a, a song called Sunglasses After Dark, which uh, a traditional theatrical song where um, there's like a noise uh, intro, a long intro, and all of the band turns with their back to the audience and puts on sunglasses and, and turns around. And we had these um, candles on our, on our uh, amplifiers and as lighting and atmosphere and and i had so, a huge uh ronnie specter teased out beehive and so much aquanet extra super hold to, to keep it up that when i leaned over to the amp and i was making feedback and leaning over grabbing my sunglasses um and uh the flame just flew up and like whooshed over the over the outside of my giant bouffant, my Ronnie Spector beehive, and uh, and and the audience just screamed, <laughs> and uh, and and I was like, wow, you know, great. And then suddenly Bradley was on the sides, came in and started throwing beer on my head, and then Nick Knox started hitting me on the head with, with, with his drumsticks. <laughs> I was like, oh no, what did I do wrong? On <laughs> my first gig with the crowds, and I fucked up so badly, people were beating me up. <laughs> and then suddenly I realized, oh, everyone was like, your hair is on fire. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, I didn't feel it. Luckily, my hair was teased up so high, it didn't get near my scalp. Uh, just <laughs> outer, outer perimeter went. And the whole, uh, the whole place stunk like hair. And Lux did not, Lux Interior, the singer, did not miss a beat, he just said. The days of miracles have not passed. I present to you, Kid Congo Powers, the burning bush. <laughs> <laughs> and my fate, and my, I was legend ever since. <laughs> oh, and then Michael, you know, it was so legendary that Michael Jackson copied you in that Pepsi. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, 
what else what else okay let's um wait so you have a book coming out and i have a book yes uh, we, we, trying, we, okay, let's talk about our books um let's i was going to say you told me a bit about it before but is it is it a a is it a specific time or is it just specific subjects that you're mine is um mine is it's it's specific subjects mine is called rock and roll witch and it's all the like witchy paranormal ghosty synchronicity supernatural stories and you're in tons of them but you called you called me up a while ago and you said i just realized you're in like almost like every story in my book and i was like me too there's <laughs> <laughs> so many of the stories in my book you can see yeah but tell, yeah. tell everyone yeah. about your book when okay is so, yeah mine is a member mem the total memoir that goes from childhood to uh mid 90s late 90s late 90s and uh and it's more of a it's a everything kind of memoir it started out just outrageous stories a bit like you know a, a bit of that and then it started turning into like some serious stuff and you know and i started it was great it was great writing about because uh, I started writing it and I said, I don't know what this book's going to be about. It's going to be my memoir, but I don't really know what the thrust of it is, but it will tell me at the end what it is. And um, so I, I started, I've been writing it for 12 years, <laughs> just off, on and off. And every time, usually when I would get to the serious stuff, like um, traumas and this and that, um, of, 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 and, and it would, I would be like, oh, I would jump out of my seat and go like, I have to make a new record and go on tour for a year. <laughs> and then I'd come back to the book after that and I'd write a little bit more. And so it kind of went, so it was really good for productivity because I was just like jumping out of the seat all the time. But a lot of it is pretty uh, hilarious, but it was, it's a very much like about what formed, informed me to be me and just the singular uh, mind I had since I was a kid, you know, to be involved in music and to see everything from an askew point of view and just misadventure after misadventure um, and a lot of adventure too. And, uh, and it has the good, the good, the bad and the ugly in it also. So, you know, so that, you know, it, and, uh, and, you know, and also the idea of um, growing up, you know, a suburban kid who at a young age knew I was queer, you know, and uh, how that, that, and how that going through life and, and, and uh, navigating rock and roll is um, been like a crazy, crazy ride. Like at times I'd be super flamboyant and out and other times I'd be super like standoffish and non-committal. And, um, you know, it's all this crazy inner struggle, but mostly, it's pretty hilarious, <laughs> you know. That's that's just uh, that's all a lot of stuff, but but so it kind of runs. It's a super real memoir, and it's going to come out hopefully ne by next year or in next the next year. And I'm doing it. I can't wait. Okay, yeah, so, so, it's, so it's coming out next year. Yeah, so I hope. Yeah, and it's going to be um, in the red records is putting it out. Larry Hardy and in the red records, and it's going to be his first publishing effort and also mine so we're you know i've been with play making records with them for 12 years or longer so we're like a bit of a team and um and so i'm excited to put it out with him you know because he's gonna treat it right and he's given me a pretty carte blanche uh you know <laughs> what to write and let me pick my own editor and do all kinds of great things so and I boy, can't. am I glad it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Like my, that was the same with mine too. I started when I was writing it, like this one isn't a full linear memory, but the first story in mine was something super traumatic that happened to me at a graveyard and I was writing it and it was just, um, I was writing about riding through the graveyard with my brother when we were little and the next day mm. he died suddenly. I mean... So then I didn't write for a couple of weeks, but then when I was writing that story, oh, I just realized, yeah. thank you. I love the whole that. book 
dedicated to him. I know he was great. He was great. But um Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, but but um you like you were in it so much, the book. Because of all, anything you guys that are listening, anything that we're talking about here, it does not even scratch the surface of this. Yeah, <laughs> of this yeah I'm trying not to give anything away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> that yeah, way, we, there's we, way more where that came from. <laughs> but oh yeah, no, it's it's, it's 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 lovely to be talking to you because we have been, to, you know, since the, you know mid to late 70s, you know, mid 70s, we've been friendly in France. And, you know, um, and like I said, you know, it's, 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 it's um, you know, you're like a family member and, a, you know, part of a tribe of people. And I'm so glad. And you have, all, and also both of us have um, gone through many metamorphoses and, and kept doing and kept actually kept our original vision of uh, yeah i know it's crazy yeah and, I and, love and, and then mastered other arts and different things and um and it's great it's great it's great to have friends like that and i'm glad i do have friends like that but you're probably the, the closest friend Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, I know. Same, same here. Like, I feel like, I mean, now I wouldn't call you at three in the morning unless, like, you know, I was calling from a, a spacecraft or something. But I, <laughs> I still feel like I could if I wanted you could. to. I would yeah. answer. <laughs> anyway, there we go. There we go. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Are you out of your mind? Then I'd be like, okay. Where are we going? What's Hold up. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want to talk about to our audience? Oh, I think that we've kind of covered. We have covered the basics, and um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just been a delight to talk to you. And I'm glad you're doing a podcast. I've been threatening to do one forever, but oh, um, you should totally do it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and uh, did you do Lydia's? No, Maybe. I haven't done it yet. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Because I, she, she actually, I, I hope you don't mind. I gave her your number. Oh, no, I don't mind, of course. But I, I do remember in, in lobotomy when you and I were in New York writing for, <laughs> um, writing more in lobotomy when we interviewed Lydia. Remember, she was she was in bed having sex with her boyfriend while yeah. we were doing the interview. <laughs> And on the tape, you're like, she's like, well, and then, you know, teenage Jesus. And, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i know no nobody that is not our age can really i'm not saying this like lording it over all you young motherfuckers yeah. you can't imagine what it was like back then <laughs> the freedom we had yeah to just be wild <laughs> you know it was a feral feral time it was exactly feral and you know we were we were adventurous and we were um we were happy to take the opportunity to, to, to experience it all you know um and to find other people that, that would be the same i mean when i think of like 909 and like that we were just talking about like dennis crosby and lisa c bond and ever and everyone you know music all these musician people and not musician people and and, and i mean what a great uh we were so nuts. <laughs> How much fun. And now we would just rope neighbors into it and everyone else, <laughs> strangers, neighbors. Would come <laughs> but then everyone just said yes. It was like we were like the Pied Piper of insanity. Exactly. Um, oh man, my God. Do you remember that time we took acid and we walked on Hollywood Boulevard and then? We were on our way home and someone threw a bucket of water on us. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or, or at us. I don't know if they threw it on us. But we were, and some like guys in a car just suddenly like, yeah, just, just threw a bucket of water at us. <laughs> or the, or, um, the time when we were, when we were walking home on down the Bowery from CBGB's also on acid and on the way there we had seen 
that horrifying messed up like life-size baby doll sitting somewhere and then <laughs> and then it moved to a different point on the bowery and we saw it on the way home remember yeah so we call it baby dibbles <laughs> after dibs somehow we, we were uh, you know we were obsessed with everyone you know very crush oh, wait, wait. Tell, that, tell them tell everyone about like when we used to see Sid Vicious this was right before the Nancy Spongeon thing when we were like we'd oh, always yeah, see when Sid was, was in New York and we were always on acid in, <laughs> in New York and seeing going down the Bowery but we'd see him at Max's or CB's or just walking around and we'd be like Oh, he's beautiful, isn't he? Like, oh, and then then the nasty so sponge. Tall thing. and pretty. Tall <laughs> and pretty for a murderer. <laughs> and a murderer. <laughs> but uh yeah, so yeah, oh God, you know, so much stuff. And it was just like always just an, another day in the light. I mean, that's when I was writing the book. I'm like, you could just pick any day and I could write a story about it and it would be something <laughs> worth worth writing, you know. Oh, I know. So, I, it's I mean, almost like there were no boring days. They were all nuts. It really? had to be an adventure every day. Someone, um, so, someone, this was like a long time ago, someone, when this phrase first came into usage, someone, someone said to me, um, um, well, this is what a peak experience is, something that changes your life, you know, and it changes your out, you know, your lookout and your whole viewpoint of life. And I just kind of went, oh, and I nodded and I said, I think I had a continuous peak experience for like at least 25 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm still having it. <laughs> no, I'm having it too. I just didn't. Right you know. this minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one more thing, remember, because, um, uh, Bowery and Grand, actually one of the windows of, of Christian's loft, and thank you, Christian, for putting us up. And, and um, for putting up with us, too. <laughs> putting up and putting us up. Um, and, um, and, but one of the windows actually overlooked, you can, one of the views was of the top of the World Trade Center. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this one has to go. I don't think this is in my book. Let's uh, we can talk. <laughs> we will give this one. And and we were um, tripping again. And um, there's some good acid stories in my book. And um, and, and um, we were like we were laying there, just you know, having a relaxing tripping time, looking. At I think the, it had already been light out for. A pretty long time at that yeah point. yeah we just like, couldn't sleep we'd been tripping all night it was the morning and very quiet so and then i was saying oh look at the world trade center one is a girl uh you know bopper and one is this you know rockabilly teddy boy the other one and girl has this beautiful jewelry on and the guy has amazing quiff pompadour uh, uh, oh no, I was saying she has beautiful jewelry and a nice dress and you said, that, and the boy one has a quiff, a great pompadour and a quiff and I just incredulously looked at you and said, real things don't have hair. <laughs> <laughs> that is a peak acid thing to point you. You were horrified that I would even say that. You were like, <laughs> you're like what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Thank I you. I just seriously almost peed. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. Well, that's our life. That's been <laughs> yeah, that I think our, I our youth. And this note, we should probably conclude almost, do you think? Yeah, so it's been a while. Because otherwise, so, go on for like hours <laughs> yeah now you are and now you're on limited time um, your editor will have a nice time um, thank you editor <laughs> thank you jerry <laughs> yeah do you want to say anything last to our listeners mm, love you <laughs> <laughs> live fast don't die <laughs> <laughs> scared yeah live fast don't die yeah. Uh, I love you eternally now and forever. For everybody, that was the amazing, incredible, like 
always pee in my pants funny for many, many years. <laughs> and now I hope you guys have to had to wear the pants during this episode. Or we're sorry you weren't. <laughs> that was Kid Congo Powers. Let's let's blow everyone a kiss goodbye. Is this such a like Mwah. Mwah. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye, I love you. Bye. The Devil's Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. And of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at pantheonpodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. <laughs>